How does someone go from being a corporate and securities lawyer to creating and starting their own nutrition company, making healthy snack bars for women? It's a big shift, but big is how Melanie DeRose does things. Melanie left her cushy yet stressful job as a lawyer to lay roots in the world of empowering women when she created Impact Bars, a small company focused on making a big impact, both in the nutrition that women eat, as well as the way we empower one another. I loved this conversation with Melanie as she shared how her life took a dramatic turn when she was pregnant with her child and working a huge case at her law firm. I want you to listen in as she shares that pivotal moment that she had in the middle of the parking garage of her office. Melanie puts the many lessons that she learned about shattering glass ceilings and excelling in traditionally male-driven arenas that she now uses on a daily basis as she builds her company that empowers the girl boss and women everywhere. This is a good one today, and I'm so thrilled to have you here for this episode of the Inside Story Podcast with Melanie DeRose. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story Podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Lightbeamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Lightbeamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. This episode of the Inside Story Podcast is being brought to you by the Storytelling Symposium. This is our community-wide annual event where we bring women and men together from all sectors of life to discuss what does it look like for you to step into your brave and share your story. I talk to so many women every day who think their story doesn't matter, it's not important, it's not big enough, it couldn't possibly make an impact, or they know they have a story, but they just have no idea where to start or how to share it. This is exactly why I created the Storytelling Symposium. This special event is an opportunity for you to come learn more about how to excavate the layers of your story and how to give your story meaning and impact. We are all walking around with a story to share, yet so often women play it small. They keep it quiet and they let other stories pass them by. The symposium is your opportunity to step into the power of your story and to be surrounded by the most amazing speakers and guest teachers, as well as other amazing attendees that we will have in this workshop where you can network and share stories together that will help empower you to step into your brave 
and share your own story. This is a storytelling event like no other. It's especially curated with you in mind. So I invite you to join us for our next event on April 29th and 30th of 2021, which is a virtual event this year. And that means it should be an easy way for you to say yes. For more information on the 2021 Storytelling Symposium that is hosted by Lightbeamers, I'd love for you to check it out. Go to lightbeamers.com and click on the events tab in the top navigation bar. Be sure to reach out to me if you have any questions and I sure hope to see you there. Melanie DeRose, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Inside Story Podcast. I'm so happy to have you with me today. My my friend in our joint mastermind, it's been lovely to get to know you this past year. Likewise, and I'm so excited to be here and super humbled. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, you know, when we first met, we did meet through our mutual friend and mentor, George Bryant, and we were we came together to be, you know, co-guest on a podcast episode with him. And that's really the first time that I got to hear your story. And I loved it. Fell madly in love with just kind of your your evolution and your journey. And so I think that uh, a lot of women in my audience will really appreciate your background and now what it is that you do, because they're two very different things. And also just the mission that you live out now to empower women, which obviously is very much in alignment with light beamers and, and what we do. So I'm excited to dive in with you today. So Uh, awesome. Yeah. So I thought we would start with a little bit of that background information because, you know, running impact bars and leading impact, empower, impact women, excuse me, uh, is not exactly where you started. You started in a much, much, much different field and industry that I think a lot of people would be surprised by. Do you want to share? Sure. I have a very unconventional career trajectory. (laughs) So it really started as a corporate securities lawyer at a big law firm. I went to UT Law School. And, you know, when you get into law school, you just kind of follow the track. It's like everybody says, you should clerk for a federal judge. And I'm like, okay, I'll try to do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Turns out that was a great decision, you know, it, it ended up clerking and then everybody, you know, you should go to a big law firm. Okay. Check that box, get into a great, a big law firm and and do corporate securities, you know, really exciting work, taking companies public. And I, I think I, I don't want to call it victim. I don't want to say I fell victim. I think I, I fell down the path that a lot of women who I relate to, mm-hmm. not that men don't, but the path that a lot of women fall down, which is, you know, and, doing what you're quote supposed to do and what is sort of set out for you and what seems like the natural path. And you just keep going. And I got to a point where I was really on autopilot and I was working, I mean, you know, at at the big law firm of that size, it's all about the grind. It's like how many hours and it is, it is crazy. The kind of work ethic you have to have. And it was weighing on me in a lot of different ways. It was a great job. But I found myself just kind of going through the motions on autopilot. And I I felt that way both in my personal capacity, just as a woman, and also in my career. Like I just was going through the motions. I was checking off the to-do list every day. I was getting the work done. You know, I was doing what I was supposed to do, but I wasn't really lit up in any way whatsoever. And so a lot of things kind of culminated at at this one point in time. And one was, you know, I really 
I found entrepreneurship intriguing. Um, and it, it was non-existent in my life. It just, but, it, but there was a calling there. The second thing was I really started to discover this internal personal passion I have of helping other women. And it was always there, but I just, it took a while for me to discover it. And, and I'm happy to talk about that with your, with your guests today, your audience, because I think it is so important. It is what has really, it is really what drove me to the career trajectory to, to sort of everything I'm doing now. And then the third thing was, you know, as a lawyer at a large law firm, grinding it out, I, you know, I got pregnant, had a child, got pregnant again, trying to maintain not only the work-life balance, if there is such a thing, but also trying to put any emphasis on health and fitness was really, was really challenging. So I had a lot of things going on. I had, you know, had my first child and then um, ended up like leaving the hospital and still feeling like I put, I put all my maternity clothes home and I got, I got, or put them away. I got home. I got them all out. I was like, God, yeah. nobody told me <laughs> You're I'm still wearing them. pregnant. Like what the hell, you know, I, get, I left the hospital and it was like, I still look pregnant. I, I was not prepared for that, but I was really trying to find a fitness and a nutrition solution as a new mom. And I, I found really nothing. I found there was nothing out there made for me. So I had this inkling of like, I've got to make something to help women like me who are really wanting to have a focus on this, but don't know where to go. I was like YouTubing yoga videos. Like I just, I did not have clear direction. So all these things kind of culminated at one time. And then on top of that, I had this experience one night. Um, I was working till like two in the morning in my law firm. I was the only one there. And I left. I was seven months pregnant with my second daughter. And I slipped and fell in the parking garage. Not a single soul. I mean, it's two in the morning. And, you know, of course, my first thought was like, oh, my God, is my baby okay? It was a really hard fall. But like not even a second later, my second thought was, I have to be okay. Like my client's going to kill me if I can't be there for this deal. And that consumed my thought process. And in that moment, I was like, man, my, my priorities really are out of whack. I mean, that made me a really great lawyer that I was putting all that really first. But it also was like a punch in the gut because I sat there and went, oh God, you know, I'm so frantically worried about this and that's not healthy. And, you know, I want to be there for my client, but like, I really need to be worried about you going to labor right now. So all these things happened and I just sort of jumped off the cliff and said, okay, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do something I've never done before, which, which my first business was creating an in-home workout system for new moms. I was not the, the, the trainer, so to speak, but we hired a trainer, filmed you know, what turned out to be like seven feature films, really from an editing perspective. And I can relate to that. Yes. Being a video producer, I totally get it. My God, I had no idea. It took us a year yeah. to get that product ready. But I mean, I just sort of, I just sort of jumped in and I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, we filmed that video. We, I was in Austin, Texas at the time and we posted flyers up around the city saying, Hey, do you want to be in a workout video? You just got to be a mom. And the responses we got were insane. Some women were like, this was on my bucket list. But we ended up with a perfect crew of women who just killed it. And the product is amazing. I mean, to this day, it's amazing. And we launched it on Amazon and online. And, and I'm going to gloss over this because the, the natural snacks grew out of this. But what happened was we had a bunch of loyal, amazing customers who were really interested in nutrition. And so was I. I had, you know, my oldest daughter, I was feeding her snacks that I wasn't proud of. I was mm -hmm. trying to find good snacks for me as a mom. 
and I'm walking down the grocery store, you know, aisle for protein bars. And I'm like, there is nothing for a mom. Like if you're CrossFit, I know what to get. If I'm a man who wants 300 calories and 50 grams of protein, it's there, but there's nothing for me. And so similar to kind of where, how we started the fitness business, I've decided like, we got to make something just for women, a snack food that is a natural snack for women. And that is really how Impact Bars got started. We, uh, you know, we took this concept of designing natural snack food for women and created a whole company about it. Now, I selfishly, I got to drag in this personal passion of empowering women because that really does define me. I mean, without it, Mm -hmm. I'm nothing. And so we made our company mission-based and focused on empowering women. It's Impact with an E and the E-M stands for empowering women and girls. And the PACT is helping them have an impact on their families and communities. So I can talk more about the mission later, but we, you know, we work with nonprofits that help women and girls in, on a very, in a very hands-on sort of way. And for me, you know, I know we've got a, obviously we're making our food and we're selling our products and we have bars and shakes and we're developing new stuff. But the, the component of it that really allows me to fill this bucket of, of having this passion um, and keeping this going and just lifts me up energetically every day is being able to help women. And whether that's through our snacks or through the nonprofits we work with or just through whatever I can do to personally motivate and help women, because that's what I try to do every single day. Yes. So good. So good. And there's a lot we want to like unpack because we do... You know, that was one of the things that I loved about your story was how you you did have this trajectory of going from that really, you know, grind, that hard hustle life of being a lawyer to then shifting very quickly into becoming an entrepreneur, which, you know, like you kind of made it sound easy, but we all know it's not. Um, I mean, I know that that it wasn't exactly an easy transition is what I'm saying, Um because it is, you have to learn how to do all that, you know, like it's not like you snap your fingers and you have a business overnight. Um, There's a lot of work (laughs) that goes into it as you, as I know, you know, you and I talk about this behind the scenes. Um, But, but having that mission be more of the, of the why behind the business, how has that fueled you and helped you during the times when, you know, the grind is still there, even when you become an entrepreneur, it's just, you are, you own your own time a lot more than obviously you owned it when you have, when you have, you know, working for the law firm, but how has that piece of it, that piece that drives you so personally, the empowering women piece of it, how has that made all the difference? I think when you find your passion or even if it's not your passion, if it's something that you love that that energizes you on a different level, then it makes everything else easy because it's bigger than you. You know, yeah. this was always bigger than me. It still is. So you talk about difficult transition. As a lawyer, like you are taught to to discover risks. Like all you do all day is focus on what could happen. You know, like Chris Rock has a, a, a bit that he talks about insurance in case shit happens, you know, sorry to swear, <laughs> yeah. but that is what we're trained to do. So talk about risk adverse. I mean, I, I could, I've developed or, or figured out probably a hundred reasons why this, or a thousand reasons why it could have gone wrong every day. It's a challenge yeah. for me because of my training. And so it was very hard to make that leap. I mean, it took me a really long time and a lot of, of tears, but ultimately I think when you get a spark from something that has been, for me, was missing for a really long time. Um, It's just, it puts you on a different level. So like you say, 
I didn't have a background in, you know, I wasn't a personal trainer. I didn't have a, I'm not a dietitian. I didn't have a background in any of that stuff. If you would have asked me like five years ago, if I was going to be in the natural food industry, I mean, I would have laughed at you. That could have been, that would have been the farthest thing out there that I ever would have thought I would, that I could do. But the reality is we really can do anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, and it's not easy. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I work my butt off, but having something behind it that really fuels you and that lights you up, it just, it, first of all, it's never felt like work, which is a, a, something that a lot of people can't say when they get up in the morning and they're going through their day. It doesn't feel like work. It's fun. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I could tell you incredible stories about the women we've empowered. And even on my worst day, you know, thinking about those stories will just, they give me goosebumps, right? So I think when you have that motivation, you know, it, it's like, you can't not do it. You just, you got to find a way, right? It's like, okay, well, today I'm going to learn how to do this accounting because my accountant quit yesterday or whatever happened, <laughs> whatever yeah. fire of the day. And believe me, I've been through so many, I've been through it all. Um, and you're just like, okay, today I'm going to do that. I'm going to figure that out because this has to work. And I, I just think that, that thought process, that mindset of like, this has to work. It's, it's bigger than me. It's going to work. It's difficult to tap into that if you're not fueled by that passion. Yeah, I so agree with that. You know, like I very much have that with light beamers that it's not, it's just, it's, it is, I mean, storytelling to me is very important, but it's so much more than storytelling. It is that empowering women piece that is at the end of the day, that's really all I care about. Like whether you tell your story or not, I really just want you to feel empowered. I hope that you will feel empowered by telling your story, but, but at the end of the day, I just want women to know that they're worth it, you know, and, and I know that's so much what what you stand for and even the decision to create this company and to create these impact bars and now all the other products that you have in your lineup was really to make it easy for women, right? Like the, the design of the impact bar. Let's talk a little bit about that because I know that the design of it and the size of it is it, like you said, nothing else was being marketed to women. Everything was being marketed to, you know, the CrossFitters and and the men who need 50 grams of protein after a workout, but that's not always what women are looking for, nor do we get marketed to that way. So can you talk a little bit more about the design of the actual products and absolutely doing that with women in mind? Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, I firmly believe that snacking is not one size fits all. I mean, the stuff that my husband likes to eat or is willing to eat sometimes is not something that works for me. And I don't want the 300 calories or 50 grams of protein. I care if I am eating protein that makes me feel bloated. Mm -hmm. I care. And, and this is not to say that men don't, but, but I, well, it just doesn't affect them the same. I it, think that's, that's true. Different. Yeah. That is true. Um, and I was reading labels and I wasn't understanding a lot of the stuff that I was eating. And so really how it started was me focus grouping, you know, it took my own opinions and focus group a lot of different women. And, mm -hmm. and realized that a lot of women had the same desires that I had. You know, they wanted like 100 to 200 calories, but not a, nothing above 200. They wanted, you know, not 50 grams of protein, maybe like 10 or 15 or even five, just something that was not so heavy. They wanted really um, natural food. They wanted, uh, you know, fiber, things that, was, that were really good for their body. And so as I've, I've, as I've gone through this, I've learned a lot about the, the ingredients we put in our food, obviously, but 
also, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that we eat that is put in other food. And I mean, some of it is just unbelievable when you're eating stuff and I'm looking at the label and I'm like, I can't even believe people are eating that, but it is what it is. And so for me, it was, how do I create something that is really clean, that is really natural, but also has to taste amazing? Because as much as women care about what they put in their bodies, they are not going to eat it if it doesn't taste good. (laughs) Amen. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm women, one of those women. Yeah, right. I'm right. like, uh, uh, yeah, but what does it taste yes. like? You know, because if it, it tastes like crap, I can't bring myself to eat it. I, I don't know. care how good it is for me. You know, I mean, it's very hard. And a lot of my male friends could care less. Like they are drinking yeah. these cookies Nelly and green dirt. protein shake that just tastes horrible. And they just down it, you know, like the, a beer bong. And they're like, yeah. this is fine. So yeah, my kids, I've got three kids. And they are our chief taste testers because if you want honest feedback, ask a kid because they tell me, you know, nope, mom, go back. This sucks. Or mom, this is amazing. When they started asking for each bar as a dessert, that's when I was like, okay, drop the mic. We're done. (laughs) Like when a five-year-old is asking for healthy food, you're like, I've done it. So, you know, that's those are the kind of elements that we looked at is what are are ingredients that will support women. And it's not to say they hurt men. I mean, I have, I actually have men that come up to me when I sample these out at grocery stores and they like lean over and whisper and say, is this going to make me grow boobs if I eat it? And I just (laughs) start cracking up because I'm like, man, if I had figured that out, I'd own an Island. Like a lot of women would love me, but no, there's no hormones. You know, there's nothing like that. It's actually, you know, the opposite. It's very, very clean. But, it, you know, they're a little bit smaller than some of those really big bars because I got sick of having, um, a, you know, half-eaten folded over half bar at the bar. bottom of my point. Yes. yes. And just wanted a serving size that would work perfectly. So we design our snacks, like our bars are one for a snack, two for a meal replacement. Our shake is a meal replacement. I mean, we just design them, I think, for what it, it kind of your average wom- woman would want in a snack food. Man, I love it. And that's what I, I, I love, you know, the thought that goes into that of, you know, even doing the focus group of with the other women and saying, okay, this is what I think I would like, but, you know, is this really what the mass masses want? So, you know, going to them and getting the same feedback from them. I, I so agree that that, I can't tell you how many times I've traveled with a protein bar and, you know, the same thing, like the next day, half, the half eaten portion of it is our uneaten portion of it. It's still in my purse. And I'm like, Oh, there's another snack. It's you annoying. Know? Cause you're not going to eat it. Yeah. You're yeah, not going to eat it. Then. It's hard and chalky yeah. probably. And yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and another thing I should say is we have a woman who designs all of our food and, and that oh, is important nice. to me. I mean, she, I mean, she obviously she's our clientele and she gets it. So um, we pull our customers all the time. Uh, you know, I love involving them because they're also honest. Um, and, you know, for us, we want honest feedback, but that's really how we develop all of our products. So tell everybody, where are you mo- mainly distributing your product? And and I know we're going to link up so people can actually, um, you know, give it a try if you're interested in checking out Impact Bars. Of course, we would love for you to do that. Uh, but where are, because you, you mentioned grocery stores, but I know you also sell online. So what is your distribution uh, mechanism for yep. these impact bars. Yep. We're, we prefer online. That's, that's a yeah. way that that's a better option for us. And as I mentioned sure. to you, we'll get your users a code, but we are in grocery store, some grocery stores in Texas and uh, in the Colorado region, for example, we're in Kroger. I'm um, in Texas. We're in central markets and, and a few others. So, but we, we are preferring more and more the online access mainly because I can control the customer experience. 
So, you know, we've actually pulled back a few of our major retail accounts because we were having situations where, you know, you sell them the product and your hands off. You have no, you have no say on what happens, on what the experience your customer has on, you know, I could go, I could do a podcast episode alone on the, the troubles with retail food, but I, but I will spare you that. But when someone buys off Amazon or buys off our website, I can have a personal interaction. And typically I do, especially first time customers. I often reach out or call and just say, welcome to the impact community. You know, how can we help you? How'd you find us? What are your goals? Because uh, we have some nutrition plans as well and see if I can connect with them and really try to build the community. I mean, as you know, as somebody who's really um, tuned in with trying to empower women, man, it's hard to do that when you, when you give that job away to a retailer. I don't have yeah. any touch points. So that is real. That's like we are transitioning a bit in trying to grow our online audience just because we want to really cultivate that audience and be there for these women who are trying to be the best versions of themselves so we can support them do, doing that. Well, let's talk about too how this ties in then when you know with your with purchases being made and and the products themselves selling how what is the 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 mechanism that you have in place that then allows you to support organizations for women and children. That is kind of your mission behind the work that you do. Yeah. I'm glad you asked. Um, is the, again, everything we've done, I think has been very unconventional. Like we do, I will have five people tell me no, and we will still figure out how to do it. it from the way, the way we make our bars, I had, I think three manufacturers, three or four manufacturers say there's no way it could be done that way. And then we said, well, we're going to figure out a way. And we did. So same with our nonprofit partners. Traditionally, businesses will have a nonprofit partner and they will maybe write a check to support or, you know, it could be buy uh -huh. something, get something. And, and all those all those concepts are great. But I had this interesting story when we started out. We were trying to find a really good partner. And I'm not going to name this, this organization. It's a big one. But we got on the phone with them and they said, great, if you pay us $25,000, we'll list you on our website. And I just kind of like stepped back and went, what good does that do anybody? Like that doesn't help any women. I don't like that doesn't make any sense from a, a business like me who's a startup trying to get started. I want to do something very hands-on. Yeah. So one of the first partnerships we had, and so we decided to go a very unconventional route. So we found a, an amazing organization actually in Denver and it helps chronically underemployed and impoverished women transition to full-time work. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's in, you know, this old fire station building and they have these classes of women that come in and they do job training, they do communication skills, uh, they do all sorts of just basic life skills. And these are women that are victims of domestic violence. They may have been incarcerated. I mean, they have, they've had a rough life. Mm -hmm. And we went in and said, okay, how can we help these women? And we worked with this organization to create a partnership where the women would come to work and they would do projects for us. And it mm -hmm. would be projects that we would need done. Like, for example, we would be prepping gift packs or prepping our products for Amazon, you know, shrink wrapping and stickering. And so these women would get job skills like you have to show up for work and this is how you have to do this. And they would learn these skills and then it would be kind of discrete projects at one time. So we would just, in, even today, it's like, if we have a random one-off project, we'll call them up and we can yeah. get that over to them. But, you know, even on my hardest day, and I've had a lot of them as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. walking into that organization and seeing, you know, 20 or 30 women working on your product 
and one of them walks up to you and says, thank you so much for giving me a job today. I mean, it like I was in tears, you know, and by the way, I'm not a crier <laughs> at all, but I was in tears in that moment, just thinking like, this is why I'm doing this. You know, this is, yeah. this is, this is why there's such power here. That organization, by the way, has a hundred percent job placement for these women. And then something like, I think it's a hundred percent job retention a year later. So they're doing amazing Phenomenal things, right? Phenomenal work. To, yeah. To be, yes. to get those numbers. And be, yes. And to be part of that is just incredible. You know, another one we worked with is that was a refugee group that had a lot of women refugees from Ethiopia. They're just also various other parts of, of Africa. And they, there's a lag time between when they get to the United States and when they get full-time work. Mm-hmm. And often there's a language barrier and they have to, you know, learn a few things. And so they're, they're stuck without work for nine months and, you know, trying to partner with that organization and say, okay, you know, I remember one day we had a project, similar kind of thing where we were, you know, creating packs or, and I was like, can, you know, send over a few women to help me out? And like, 20 women showed up and I'm like, we are going to be really productive today. We <laughs> We're going to be done to- fast. <laughs> yes. We knocked out that whole project. But again, being able to help those women, you know, I was going to have to get that project done anyway. I would much rather pay that organization or those women. And so that those women get help. And it, and it, for me, I know it is like this minor thing and it's a discrete project, but it means something. And it was so amazing. You know, those women, they were in our warehouse and they would stop and, you know, put their carpet down and pray in the middle of the day. And like, again, what a special moment, like how incredible to be part of that. I was honored to have them working with me that day. And I just think those are the kinds of things, whether it's supporting an organization that helps victims of sex trafficking, or we we work with an organization that helps kids that are, or girls that are in and out of foster care. I mean, in any hands-on way, that those are the partnerships I really like to do. And some of that is selfish because I am very motivated by being able to do that kind of work. Yeah. But I also think it elevates the business and it it really puts that mission into the business. And and that's why we're doing what we're doing. I mean, ultimately, that goal of helping other women to be able to live that every day is incredible. So how are you getting that message to the people who are buying your product? Because I think that is beautiful. How do you let them know, you know, yes. in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a in the right way, if you will? Um, because like you said, a lot of these are maybe projects that are one off and maybe some of it needs to remain private. Uh, some of that information. So how do you share the story of that, that inside story, yes. if you will, with your clientele? I'd love to know that. Yeah, well, it's hard. And I'd love I'd mm-hmm. love your tips as somebody who's an expert <laughs> here. But but, you know, with especially with something like a bar where your your billboard yeah. is, you know, tiny, right? You have very tiny you, you have, and, and yours you is to, extra tiny because it's, it's half it the size. <laughs> That's right. It's small. And you're trying to convey, number one, this is for women. Number two, this is healthy. Number three, here are all these. We're women owned. We're made in the USA. We, you know, we help support all these women. It's really hard. It, and so what we decided is it's very hard to do that on the actual package. And yeah. oftentimes I rely on things like podcast or, you know, we have, we do have it on our website um, or whatever blogs I can write, whatever I can do. But to be honest with you, that is an aspect of our business that we need to improve. Um, I mean, you're not the first person to tell me that. And so it's like, how many times am I going to have to hear that before I redesign the packaging? But I also, I have this, this, um, 
struggle with not wanting to capitalize on that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that that is an important element of our business, but it is not something that I that I use as a sales tool. Okay. So I'd love to help you see that differently though, because as I see it, it's not leveraging it as a sales tool. Actually, what you're doing by sharing the story of, again, you're not having to name a specific woman or a specific woman's story, but the very fact that by someone like me purchasing your products, I can be you know, in good faith, know, right, that my money not only is going to pay for the for the creation and distribution of that product, but by supporting your organization, you are then trickling that money into your community, helping women who need a leg up. And how many of us out there in the world as women and as men, it doesn't matter, really. I mean, we've all had times in our life where we could have used a leg up, whether we were coming out of sex trafficking, jail, or just you know, lost after college or coming off of a divorce or changing jobs, you know? I mean, I'm sure that when you changed your career and you went into becoming an entrepreneur, I'm sure you had some really helpful advice and mentors that, you know, gave you the leg up in terms of giving advice and support and lending an ear and maybe being an advisor of some sort as you're making that transition. I know I've had so many mentors in my life that have done that for me. So I consider that a leg up, right? That is helping me when I needed help. And that, I don't think we have to rate that. Like it doesn't matter whether you're coming out of jail or sex trafficking or moving here from a foreign country and um, just seeking a better life. All of it is important, right? And so I would just challenge you to think of that differently Because that helps the buyer, the purchaser, your clientele love you even more because now I know my dollar is going to go further than just buying an impact bar. It's actually going to go to impact, you know, and empower, that being the key word, another woman long after I've eaten that power bar or I have, you know, taken that shake. I think the more that your your audience knows that this is the passion behind what you do, that it is bigger than you and it's also bigger than them. And it's bigger than selling an impact bar. It's bigger than, you know, getting a snack or a nutrition replace meal replacement or something along those lines that is super beneficial and helpful and very good and healthy, but it's beyond that. And I think all of us in life, um, I hope that most of us uh, in life are really seeking ways to, to, to have purpose and meaning while we're here and our time here is measured. And so the more we can make of our time and we can make of our dollars, right. And if they can go further and help other people while also getting what we want, like, okay, I get a delicious bar or a snack, but also I know that she's going to do something with that money that I can be proud of. Yeah. So, And I love the fact, the way that you have done that in an unconventional way, by actually hiring those people, whether part-time, full-time, or, you know, project by project, whatever it may be, but you're bringing an opportunity for them to work in your business and learn a skill set. And you are going to pay that out anyway. So you might as well pay, you know, it to somebody who could really, 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 really use the money and really, really use the experience. So I think it's perfect. 
Well, thank you. And it's also, you know, I think it's important to model behavior for other women. And I, uh-huh. I think about this all the time with my three girls, you know, my oldest girl, uh, she is like the mother of the house. And when I, I asked her one day, what are you gonna be when you're gonna grow up? This is like five years ago, she's 11. And she was like, I'm gonna be a mom. And I was like, okay, and what else? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and then I caught myself, I'm like, wait a minute, that is a totally, that is a totally acceptable answer. That's amazing. Just because I chose this crazy life where I was like, let's try to, you know, manage like five jobs at once and be a mom. Yeah. Um, that does not mean that you need to do that. But but it but then I was sort of reflecting on what I've modeled for them and really just modeling the, the biggest thing is, hey, you don't have to follow this path. You can you should do what you want to do. You should you know, um, discover your own passion and it may take some time. And and in fact, a a lot of women tell me like, well, I just can't figure it out. So I'm, I'm stuck. And I totally relate to that. I totally relate to that, but I promise you it's in there. It's in there somewhere and you probably realize it. It's just going to take somebody or something to kind of, to get it out of you a little bit. But for me, modeling that for other women and for my kids of, you know, you can do what you want to do. And it may not be easy. This is certainly not the easy path. And and it would be a lot less stressful to take that path. But it also would be a lot less fun. And I would not have the life experiences I have had. I mean, becoming an entrepreneur and, and the work that I do opened me up to so many different opportunities to learn so many things. I mean, I think if I'd stayed at the law firm, I think it would have been successful. And I would have had a good practice. I would have never made time for personal development. You know, I've a lot yeah. spent a lot of time doing emotional intelligence. I just don't think I would have found time to prioritize that. Um, yeah. I, I don't think my, you know, I've always been committed to fitness and stuff, but I don't, I don't think I would have given that as much a, as of a priority, both mental fitness and then physical fitness. There are just things that I'm trying to teach my kids, like, don't do that. Don't do what I did, you know, let, do it this way. Because for a very long time, I felt like, I had to follow this path. I was stuck in this path. You know, I, it it was too risky to get out of this path. And there, there were 50 reasons why I could talk myself out of doing something different. I think that that is such a big one right there. The, the risk factor, um, you know, talking with a lot of women about who are kind of in that same position of, of feeling maybe stuck or feeling, Oh, I could never do that. You know, not seeing themselves as someone who actually could, as you said, jump off that cliff and take that leap of faith. Um, And I've taken that, like I've done several times in my life, especially my career where I've taken some pretty giant leaps of faith and they are scary as hell. I'm not going to lie. They are scary, but, but I always talk about it as you kind of jump off the cliff and then you build your parachute on the way down, you know? And I heard that quote somewhere along the way. And I was like, that's exactly what it's like because it, you will never build the parachute while standing on dry land. You just won't, you, you won't do it. And it will, you will sit there thinking, well, I can't jump because I don't have a parachute and you're actually putting it in the wrong order. You actually have to jump. So you actually can go find the parachute and you will find it because you're going to be resourceful. You're going to work your butt off. You know, it's kind of like once you get skin in the game, you get to work. But standing on the edge and just allowing fear to take over absolutely gets you nowhere. So being, you know, just learning to kind of jump into those risks is so key. And I think that that's what, you know, your message really stands for, too, is reminding women that they can do that. I mean, your story certainly reminds 
me of that of like you know it, you have to to empower them to to look at their own life that way and look at your story and hear your journey as an illustration of what might be possible for them if they too are finding themselves desiring more or you know feeling that uh that fear but you know wanting to know what might be on the other side of it maybe feeling like they might be stuck in sort of that, even a dead end job. Some people's, I mean, yours was not a dead end job. You had an excellent job, but it was a job that probably would, I mean, talk about burnout and frustration and, you know, putting your clients before your family, which is kind of where you were falling into that trap of like, Oh, what am I, what's this, what is this client going to do while I'm laying in the parking lot garage, falling down at two o'clock in the morning, seven months pregnant. And that'd be your first thought, right? Like, that's what happens when we get into the grind of things is what we lose our way. And I think it's really important for women to hear stories like this. And so that we can hold up a mirror and get them to examine where might some of this be taking place in their life. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is, I know you said you would, you'll find a way you'll be resourceful and you'll build that parachute. I mean, my comment would be, and even if you don't, it is still going to be worth it. You know, if, if I had to go back to square one today and just pick up where I left off when I left the law firm, the experiences I've had over the past several years are, they're incredible. They'll, they're, they're memorable. And the, what I have learned, what I have been forced to learn, because when you do this, you don't really have a choice. Like you said, you, you either fall on your face or you build your parachute. And, but even if you fall on your face, the knowledge that you've gained and the self-confidence and the ability to say, God, you know what? It wasn't that bad. It, there are days when it's bad. I'm not sugarcoating it, but but I, I can do it. And I can say to myself right now, if I wanted to go start a random, I don't know, name your, your topic company, I could do it. And I would have never said that before. I would have never been able to say that. So I relate to all these women who say, you know, I don't have a passion or I can't leave. Like I just, I can't, you know, no security. And I mean, that that's a real thing, right? And I get it. But what you get, what you gain when you do follow your passion and you jump and you just go for it. I mean, it's, uh, it, it outweighs all of that by, by a thousandfold. I can always go back if I need to. And, and you know what, you will be able to also, like, there's going to be a spot for you. If you leave your job or whatever you do, you can get back to it, but you cannot, you can't replicate this experience unless you, you dive in. Well, you know, um, the the thing about security is that it's so false <clears throat> and yes. a lot of people stay in those jobs or stay in those situations because they think, well, I can't leave. You know, I, I don't have anything built that's bringing the money in or has the security. So therefore I can't leave. And you're not promised security where you are. I don't care how good your job is or how long you've been there. I mean, the corporate environment is such that there are absolutely no guarantees unless you own the damn company. And even in that sense, I mean, there's a lot of companies this past year that have had to close their doors because they couldn't make it. So there really are no guarantees, even with the quote safety net in place that you think you might have. And so if there are no real guarantees, why not go for the thing that makes you happy? Right. I know when I first, um, and there, and there's always ways to be resourceful, Right. So when I first made one of one of my several big pivots in my own career, um, the first one, well, I don't know if it was the first one, but this one in particular 
was when I left my job, my very good and promising job as a news anchor um, shortly after getting married. And we moved across the country so that my husband could take a, a job that also seemed very promising and it was in alignment with what he wanted to do. And I was ready to make a change in my career anyway, because I was quite unhappy um, as a news anchor and reporter for lots of reasons, which I've talked about on this, on this podcast. Um, and so I knew that I wanted to still stay in this field, right? And so I began doing some apprenticeship work and studying under some other uh, television and video producers um, in, in the market and was doing a ton of auditioning and just learning so much about other types of programming besides broadcast news. And during that time, you know, I was bringing zero dollars in and we were a super young couple a year after being married. We had been married one year when I made this change. And so, you know, we weren't sitting on some sort of nest egg. We were just now beginning to start our, our lives together. And I waited tables. I went at night and I waited tables because I nothing was beneath me. You know what I'm saying? I would have cleaned houses. Uh, I would have done a lot of things in order to make what I wanted out of my life work. And I was dedicated to that. And so people are like, why are you waiting tables? And I'm like, because <laughs> number one, it's really good money, by the way. And, you know, I'm a social butterfly. So it was, it was fun for me. But then during the day, it freed me up to go and make a lot of really amazing connections. And I learned more about my craft. And I'll tell you that from that experience and from that little window of my life was when I landed a really significant job with HGTV. So, you know, it worked out okay. Yeah. But, um, and then of course my career continued to soar and fly from there, but I had to make a big pivot and I was never, I, I've never gone through this, this entrepreneurship journey without remembering that like April, you can always make a buck. So true. Everybody can that's listening. I'm not special. Like, you know, waiting tables, cleaning houses, you know, making something that maybe you're a good crafter or something that you're a DIYer. I mean, there's just, it's endless. That's the good thing about the entrepreneurship brain is like, you can really turn that on and see the possibilities, but you must be willing and not think that the one and only job you're in right now is the only thing that you can do because it's not. No. And I think also your point about nothing was beneath you, you know, when you're following your passion, you're building something awesome. Those things seem insignificant. Like I, not that waiting tables was insignificant, but I remember being in central market in Austin, Texas, sampling out my bars. I had a hairnet on, you know, because of course you have to gloves. And one of my law school professors walks in and he's like, (laughs) Melanie, like, you know, I can see it. I can see it in his eyes. Like like, what the hell happened to you? Right. And, And and in that, in a split moment, I was a bit humiliated. And then I was like, no, what am I, this is, I mean, this is part of it, right? You sample it out. You gotta, there is no better salesperson of, of our products, except, you know, maybe my husband, he's an incredible salesperson, but you know, there, there is nothing that was beneath me. And Mm-mm. sort of the way I thought of it is it was just a means to getting to you, what you want. And you have to be thinking about the trade-offs if you do stay in that job that you're in. So if you had stayed at that news anchor, I mean, you got to be thinking about that. What I saw happening to me, and it's easier to see it now, 
is I was this, you know, very social, lively person in college and, you know, threw parties all the time and was out. And, you know, I look at kind of fast forward at the big law firm, I turned into this more introverted, very analytical, not fun. You know, I just <laughs> saw that happening and I, and I was like, I don't want to be that person. Right. And I think that would have kept going. I, not all lawyers are like that. Definitely not saying that, but that is what was happening to me. I had a lot of anxiety and stress yeah. and it was just sucking the fun out of me. And I was like, one day I'm like, no, I want to have fun. You know, one of our, one of our like core missions at this company is to empower women to feel alive. Like that elevated energetic state when everything's working for you, like everything's great. It's really hard to get that if you're in the safety net job and you're just you're doing right. it because you feel like you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Feeling alive is really what it's about. Right. And, you know, and we're not suggesting everyone has to become an entrepreneur by no means. But what we are saying here is that if there is something that, you know, you desire, go for it, whatever it may be. Maybe it's not the job. Maybe it is something that you're wanting to create and build and, you know, something on the side. Maybe it's a hobby. It doesn't matter what it is. Not everybody, you know, really is probably meant to be an entrepreneur. It's definitely the hardest job in the world. So, um, but, but the point is, is to empower the women to think beyond their current circumstance. You know, I mean, for you to go from this high powered lawyer to, <laughs> you know, wearing the hairnet and the, a and the low glove. powered, yeah, <laughs> a, a low powered bar slinging, you know, woman. Yes. Yes. Very different. And say, so this is it. This is the life. You know, it's because you're following that, that true passion and direction. And because, you know, really like that law professor did not know the impact that you are making. Truly the impact, you know, play on words there, but the impact that you are making in other women's lives through the products that you create and sell. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I definitely had to take a minute to set him straight and be like, Oh, I actually own this company. And you know, it was funny. It ended up being funny. He's a great, he's a friend and he's a good professor, but yeah. it was just a moment where <laughs> if I could show you the look in his eyes, I'm sure he was thinking like I have failed as a law professor. If this is what's resulted in my teaching. That girl but, was good. I thought she was going places. <laughs> I know. Right. She's doing it in the grocery store. No, and, and absolutely. And then, by the way, that is nothing. I am not saying anything bad about people who are sampling out bars. That is, people who well, sample no. out food, that is a hard job. Let me just tell you, those people, man, people can be so mean. Yeah. There are people who are very nice to you in stores, but there are also people who just look at you like you're Satan. And I'm always like, what did I do to you? You yeah. know, it's a very interesting kind of a, a job, a way to observe people. Um, yeah, you, 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 the same thing, right? Same thing. Um, and like you said, it's not about being an entrepreneur. It is really about whatever that thing is, because what you don't want to do is, is be 70 years old and go, God, I wish I would have done that thing. You know, I read a book once and I can't remember what it was, but the guy was interviewing a lot of older people. And he was saying, you know, all the older people who had tried to get to their passion and just set out there and done it. They didn't have any regrets, but what was so heartbreaking to him was the older, he was interviewing all these older people who were like on their deathbed. Like, I wish I would have just done that thing, or I wish I would have not played it safe. I wish I would have taken that risk. And that has always stuck with me, you know, because I don't want to be that person. He, of course I want to provide for my kids and I don't want to do something that is ir, you know, responsible, but I also, I want to have fun. Like life's about having fun and feeling alive. And you got to get out of a situation that takes that away from you. 
Uh, absolutely. I think that is a perfect way to close out this episode is just with that message right there. And I thank you so much for sharing your amazing journey with us. I mean, it's it's quite fascinating, the road that you've been on. And I'm cheering for you at Impact Bars and, and Impact Women, which is really, you know, um, the community. We didn't even talk about that, but you have Impact Women, which is really the community that you've built around this this mission. And we will we will link up all the things. I know that you were so kind to give a code to our light beamers. And so listeners of this podcast, if you want to grab and try and sample some of the impact products, the impact bars, the shakes, the other things that they have available, we will link that up so you can go directly to the website and make that purchase with our discount code. And um you know, just really cheering for the success of the business as it continues to grow so that you can continue to make those contributions to other women, you know, in the community and around the globe. It's very exciting. I love, I love, I love the, I love the mission of what you're doing. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I love connecting with other women who are passionate about empowering women. So it's been, you know, a particular joy to talk to you today. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow Melanie and Impact Bars and Impact Women. Support her company. If you would like to purchase her products, go get that link in the show notes. And we will be back here again next week with another episode of The Inside Story. Stay tuned to that. We'll see you then. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.